imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Lead Hership Global. And this week, we have the privilege and honor of welcoming Cordia Harrington, the CEO of the Bakery Companies, to discuss how to create opportunity in your life. We could not be more thrilled to have Cordia as a part of the conversation today. And I know that we are all going to learn an awful lot about how to recognize and integrate opportunity into all of our lives. You know, there are just some people in life who always seem to be in the right place at the right time. They're the ones who appear to always be able to land that dream job or live the perfect life, fulfilling their life's purpose in ways that you can only imagine. Their life seems to be marked by profound sense of fulfillment, joy, prosperity, and self-realization. And the good news, is fortunately, those people aren't just the subject of luck and chance. Opportunities are present all around us, and you just need to learn how to identify them and step into them. There's actually nothing that says that you can't fulfill your own dreams and create a life that you want to live. In fact, on the contrary, you're invited to step into who you were created to be, offering your unique skills to others in ways that Only you can. Whether you're an entrepreneur embarking on your next business or a visionary simply wanting to start a new quest in your personal life, you don't need to wait around for an opportunity to present itself by knowing yourself and making a conscious effort to push forward. You can actually create your own opportunities or find ones that literally fit exactly what you're looking for. Now, when opportunities arise, It's important to take advantage of them with confidence. You haven't planned, primed, and nurtured a pipeline of opportunities to let them go to waste. The amount of preparation you've done will actually equip you to know whether or not an opportunity is right for you. You're able to make an informed decision based on your confidence, your skills, your knowledge of yourself, just like our next guest, Cordia Harrington. To help us learn how to step into our power and feel assured that every step in each of our journeys happened for a reason, please help me welcome Cordia Harrington. Linda, I couldn't be more excited about having Cordia today and really jumping into this podcast around how to create opportunity in your life. Cordia is the CEO of the bakery companies and is an entrepreneur who has excelled in manufacturing, transportation, the quick service restaurant segment, real estate, and construction. Cordia was awarded the 2016 Most Admired CEO Lifetime Achievement for her passion and drive to create opportunities, make a difference, and impact lives. Cordia's commitment to excellence and passion have created opportunities for others and enabled her to recruit top talent, earn respect in a traditionalist industry, and cultivate a deeply loyal customer base, including McDonald's, Five Guys, 
Sarah Lee, Whole Foods, Jason's Deli, ConAgra, and others. Oh my goodness. In fact, Forbes just named Cordia as one of the top 100 wealthiest self-made women in the United States. That is amazing. Cordia's past entrepreneurial enterprises include an award-winning real estate and construction company opened in 1981 and sold to Coldwell Bankers in 89. Then in 1989, Cordia purchased her first McDonald's franchise. Cordia earned the opportunity to build two additional McDonald's restaurants. And then with the addition of a Greyhound bus franchise to the McDonald's complex, Cordia served over 80 buses per day, increasing restaurant sales to the top 40 in the U.S. She also came into the bakery business after several years as an owner-operator of McDonald's restaurants and served as the purchasing chair for the St. Louis McDonald's. In the mid-1990s, McDonald's made it known that they wanted diversity in its supply chain. When Harrington expressed a desire to take over a bakery, after seven years as a McDonald's restaurant owner, she was given the green light to be a part of McDonald's supply chain, building a new bakery in 1996. Since that important moment, Cordia has been named number 16 of the 25 top women business builders by Fast Company. She was also named Women Business Owner of the Year in 2000 by the National Association of Women Business Owners and named 16 in Fast Company Magazine's Fastest Growing Women-Owned Businesses list in 2004. Then in 2007, she was named as Executive of the Year at the Excellence in Manufacturing Awards, and the Bun Companies were also named in the 2007 list of the top 100 women-owned businesses impacting supplier diversity. She was inducted into the American Society Baking Hall of Fame in 2018 and will receive an honorary doctorate from the University of Arkansas this year. Cordia has been recognized in dozens of local and national media outlets for her commitment to excellence, enthusiasm, and business savvy. And the bakery companies were also named to the list of 50 fastest growing private companies in Tennessee and were finalists in the Business with Purpose Awards. Cordia has received dozens of awards for her dedication to furthering female entrepreneurship and she, has, she established the Bun Lady Scholarship, which is awarded annually to entrepreneurship undergraduate or graduate students who are participating in Belmont University's study abroad programs. And the university's new state-of-the-art dining facility is loyally and lovingly named Harrington Place Dining in her honor. Please, everyone, join me in welcoming Cordia Harrington. Thank you so much, Christina. Linda, it's just great to be with you today. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. And I just love what you're doing with leadership and, and just really inspiring and encouraging other women because sometimes we just need that little push to go for it, you know? And I just, I'm real proud of what you're doing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. You are an inspiring Force. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm so excited to jump into this topic. So just for our listeners today, tell us a little bit about your journey and what led you to have such a passion around women's entrepreneurship and building your various companies from scratch to this amazing level of success. Well, thank you. We all are driven by different purposes. And in my case, I became a single mom when my boys were not quite one 
three, and five. And if you all have friends that are realtors. You understand that's a nights and weekends business. So the drive, the push, the real draw for me getting a McDonald's was thinking that if I owned a business where I had teammates that could make and cook and deliver the food at the restaurant, then I could be off. Well, that idea didn't exactly work out like I thought it might. <laughs> because when you've got 200 employees, average age 16, 17 years old, there was always something to do at the restaurant. So I didn't really get the quality time with my boys that I thought I would. Therefore, when the bakery, when I visited bakeries and I saw this state-of-the-art equipment and I saw talented bakers making awesome salaries, I thought that would be great. If I've got that talented people, then I can have more time with my kids. So the drive was really just to have more quality time with my kids. And it's as simple as that. Oh, that's, uh, you know, that's a story that I think so many women can really understand and empathize with because I think it's a balancing act, trying to advance your career and trying to be a breadwinner and trying to be a good mom. And that is a really tricky uh, balancing act. Um, you know, you were just 28 years old when you started your first business. And that was a real estate company that you turned into a construction venture and nearly 40 years later, you're now running a high-speed baking company with annual sales in excess of $100 million. So somehow you've been able to strike that balance between being an incredibly successful entrepreneur and businesswoman, as well as a really successful mom. Certainly your recipe for success is, is fueled by perseverance, persistence, but in addition to perseverance and persistence, what's the number one lesson that you've learned from being an entrepreneur, Cordia? Well, this is an often asked question. And when I really have put thought and time to it, um, I think as entrepreneurs, at least a bootstrap and entrepreneur like I was, I started my first business with all my life savings, which was just under $600. So it was forever feeling cash broke. Um, and there would be talented people out that I would really want to hire, but I didn't feel like I could afford them. I think the biggest change and we're we really started growing dynamically and drastically was when I figured out I couldn't afford not to hire the best people. But it took me a while to figure that out, Linda, because when you're trying to balance your checkbook and your time and your vision for the company and you've got to buy equipment and, you know, there's never enough money to go around. So um, I guess I would just in, if I had it to do over again, I would say uh, spend more money on top talent sooner would be my answer to your question. I love that. That is. And, and you're right, Cordia, what you hear so often from entrepreneurs like, oh, I wish I could hire, but I can't afford to hire. Yeah. I, to hear you say that that's the thing that that has made a difference makes so much sense. And then yeah. if we. If you don't mind, Christine, I want to tell you a story. Yeah. Uh, sort of my big story that changed that for yes. changed that whole perspective for me. Um, I knew the business was getting so large 
that I needed to bring in a professional president, that it was really bigger than me. And it needed to be less Cordia-centric and more professional. And I heard that Sara Lee was being sold to Bimbo. You know, you guys know Google Bimbo. And so I called, we were a supplier to them, to Sara Lee at the time. So I called my contact, Joe Waters, and he was running the 43 bakeries of Sara Lee. And I said, I heard you all are being sold. And I wonder if you've got a young buck that I could bring in. I could run my company that's really talented. And he said, well, I may be interested. And I said, well, I know I can't afford you. <laughs> that was public. I knew what he made. But what I didn't know is that he had already made plenty of money. And so he came and visited and we were able to work out a plan, which I think would, would apply to anybody trying to hire somebody. Instead of paying them the honker big salary a year, we created a, a salary I could afford, I could cash flow with. And then I gave him like for everything above the EBITDA, you know, my earnings before income interest taxes, the increase I shared with him, 10%. Okay, so I knew that all that extra income was gonna be more money than I planned. Giving him 10% felt fair. But to, to make you know the balance work, we continued to cash flow. I thought, you know, I'd be so happy if he could double our EBITDA. Well, he tripled it in like two years. So he made a lot more money than he was making as a very big deal as Sara Lee. I made a lot more money because I had somebody that really knew what he was doing, making the technical decisions that were were really outside of my um Hey, great. <laughs> That's an incredible story. And I think such a testament to your creativity, your commitment to people. As you think about, you know, your business today, and now your company operates 16 bakery lines from six different facilities, three in Nashville, two in Atlanta, and one in South Dakota. And, you know, your company employs 800 people that make a thousand buns a minute, 2000 biscuits a minute, and about 10, how many carbs a day do you think that is, Cordia? <laughs> I wouldn't begin to guess. <laughs> I know, so funny. Um, but in all of the, the production and the speed of production that you, that you have in your facilities, which is remarkable, how have you been able to stay abreast of technology advancements and really continue to grow your enterprise and effectively scale your business? Well, I think I mentioned to you uh, that in September a year ago, we, we for the first time in the company's history, brought in a partner. And Arbor Group out of Chicago, and they had, had a long history in investing in bakeries. And they brought along with them some additional talent. Now we had awesome talent and I put my leadership team up against anybody in the world, but they had a lot more money and they had a lot more resources that they could bring in and just go, you know, I think we can do this. Let's do that. Let's automate, automate this. Let's go ahead and buy that building and we can add a few more lines to it. So I think that today my answer would be, you know, bringing in a really smart partner for this this level of growth that we're going through. 
up until that point, I, I will tell you that I relied heavily on my suppliers and I always attended industry events. And I know every industry has an event where you can go to Las Vegas or Orlando or wherever the convention is and see the latest and greatest. And believe me, there were many years I did not feel like I had the time or the money to go to those meetings. But I really encourage other business people to go because you if you come back with one idea, one new packaging idea, one new recipe idea, one new piece of equipment that can take some labor costs out of your process, you've more than paid for the time and the money spent to go to those events. So I, I strongly recommend partnering with your suppliers uh, and keeping letting your suppliers know you want to grow and you want to learn the great, you want to be the best. That's such a great point. I feel like that's often an overlooked advantage when you are able to create really strong relationships with your suppliers and treat them as truly partners to growing your business. So not only are your employees an incredibly important stakeholder group, but so are your suppliers who really can be important partners to growing and scaling your business. But I will say, Cordia, despite the incredible success that you've been able to nurture and you've been able to cultivate throughout your career, it hasn't always been easy. Um, I understand that in the mid-1990s, McDonald's made it known that they wanted to diversify their supply chain, and you expressed a desire to take over a bakery. And surprisingly, you were told that you didn't have the professional experience to be considered. You've said a few times that that being pushed off and told no during that time. So what allowed you to remain persistent, even after being told multiple times? What creates that kind of drive? What creates that kind of confidence and creates that kind of resilience so that once you're told no, that no is not considered the final answer? No was not an option for me. Not an option. And Linda, they told me no 31 times. 31 different interviews, 31 times over four years. Wow. And you know, in your gut, in your soul, you know you can do something and you want to do something. No is not an option. So if that guy says no, you find another one. If that one says no, you take a different approach. And I was determined that I was going to be selected. I did great, crazy things like going to a flour mill in Teotopolis, Illinois, and spending a couple of days just learning how they take wheat and make flour out of it. And at the end of that, and this is on my own dime, my own time, without McDonald's um, recommending it. And at the end of going through this three-day course at this flower mill, I put on one of the flower milling outfits, which was all white with a white hat. And I got a baseball that was signed by Red Shandings, a cardinal in the Hall of Fame, my girlfriend's dad. And I held up the ball and I said, I want to be your Hall of Fame baker took the picture and mailed the baseball to supply chain at McDonald's. That was only one of my shenanigans to try to get their attention. I love this. 
I absolutely love this. So you're not only a brilliant businesswoman, you understand supply chain, but you're also a brilliant marketer. So, I mean, this is so incredibly interesting. You're so amazing. Let's let's fast forward to last year. And in November of 2019, you stepped into the role of international president for the Worldwide Leadership Group Chief Executives Organization. So you are the first female president for the group in its 62-year history, which is amazing. Congratulations. And over the course of next year, you'll visit 90 countries, God willing, for 31 different events. In your experience, what do the most successful CEOs, Cordia, have in common? Well, the uh, I want to I'm going to answer your question, but I want to start by explaining. Have you ever heard of the Young Presidents Organization (YPO)? Okay, this is the the people that were leaders in YPO. You have to have been a YPO member to be invited to be a CEO. And there's uh, a maximum of 2,000 members worldwide. And you would know many of their names because they either own large football teams or they've started very large businesses. So I can tell you that I'm at the low end of that totem pole for sure. (laughs) But the one thing that I found that they have in common, and I've been a member of CEO now for 10 years, I've been on the board for eight, is they are incredibly humble servant leaders. You would feel like, you know, I was walking down the street of Prague and I said, well, hey, I'm Cordy. I haven't met you yet. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm Raymond and this is my wife. And we started talking and I said, well, where are you from? Well, I live in Florida. And I looked at his name and it said Raymond James. And I went, like, are you like the Raymond James? And he said, well, yeah. I said, you have all my money. <laughs> But but every single interaction that I have with these CEOs, at least those that really make it in what I consider to the top, they're kind, they're humble, they're not braggadocious. You can tell that they've really taken good care of the people that 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 they've been in contact with along the way. I would say 95% of those CEOs that I consider very successful have that one trait. Already, I've learned so much from you today, and I feel a little greedy asking this last question, but if you don't mind sharing with us, what is your personal best piece of advice for leadership? What is the best piece of leadership advice from your experience that you would want to leave with other women? I'll just answer with the first thing that came to my mind, Linda, and that was be be authentic, be you, because we really, we as people relate to people that are honest and transparent and are who they are. And when we try to be phony or we try to be somebody that we're not, um, I think that we all aspire to get better. But when we try to be something that we're not, I I think people can feel that. And even though we're in the COVID times right now where we're really not together, I still believe you can feel that. And I believe that God put us on this. Every single one of us is unique. 
Every single one of us has special talents. Every single one of us has a special walk that we're supposed to do. And everybody we come in contact, we're meant to come in contact with. So if we can just hold our shoulders back and be proud of who God made us to be and give it our best, and when you don't know something, say, oh, I wish I, I wish I knew that, but I don't, you know, I mean, just be who you are. I think that's attractive. And I think people will follow people that are authentic. I think people will trust people to be, uh, do business with them if they're authentic. So I just want to encourage every person to be all that God meant them to be. Cordia, I cannot thank you enough enough for just your time and your thoughts today. Linda and I have just almost hung on every word. You're just so incredibly inspiring with everything you brought to our podcast today. I, I, I've just resonated with all of it. The authenticity, I think, is huge, absolutely huge. And you're right. The most successful CEOs are the ones that are have a level of humility about them and servant leadership in their heart that just allows them to bring that forward. And when it's genuine and authentic, I think it becomes really, really special, almost magnetic, as you just kind of explained. So thank you for teaching us today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. You have been lovely and amazing, and we are both so grateful for your time. So thank you. Truly an inspiring hour with you, Cordia. So thank you. Very, very grateful for your wisdom, your insight. And I know this is going to impact a lot of lives. So thank you. Thanks so much. Bye, Linda. Bye, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today. As women, and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.